most of us find a job and then fit our lives around it. Yeah. Actually, it should be the other way around. We should design our life and then fit our careers around it. And it doesn't mean not having a good career, not at all. But what it does mean is about being intentional about, about what you do. And doing this at any point is good, but I would say it's, it's really good to do this before you burn out. (laughs) But if you are feeling stressed and burnt out, then, then, then do it now, do it now before it's too late because we just take on so much and it's subconscious. It's like the frog in boiling water, isn't it? The whole point of this podcast, you take on more and more and soon you realise the workload is built up and suddenly every single minute of your week is accounted for. And that is a very stressful place to be in. Yeah. So you're proactive about it. Unless something changes, unless you do something about it, it's just going to get worse, right? So this week we've got part two of the conversation with Dr. Ketchumides all about what to do after burnout, how to go back to work and how to plan your working week. Now, have you ever taken the time to work out exactly what you want your week to look like? How you want to spend your life? And how will you design your life so that you can thrive, not just survive another week of overwhelm and stress? Most of us with the very best intentions end up with diaries that are chock-a-block and days that are too full of back-to-back surgeries, meetings and social engagements. Now, if you've ever been off sick with burnout or stress, or even if you've been very close to it, you'll know how important it is to be intentional about the way you spend your time, both in and out of work, to look after yourself so that you can best serve your patients, colleagues, friends and family and be in it for the long haul. So I'm really pleased to share part two of the conversation I recorded with Dr. Katja Miles, who's a GP and a career coach in this half of our conversation, we get a little bit philosophical about life and we explore how to plan a life in which you'll thrive and talk about how to make it happen. So this episode is for you, whether you're going back to work after a time off with burnout or any protracted leave. It's also for you, even if you've not yet had time off sick. Prevention is always better than cure. And if you use some of the tools and principles we chat about, then you may just find that you're able to avoid becoming that frog in the boiling water. So listen to this episode to help you get really clear about how you're going to live and work and ultimately make the most of your one wild and precious life. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and busy professionals in healthcare and other high-stress jobs who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris, a former GP, now working as a coach, speaker and specialist in resilience at work. Like frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water, many of us have found that exhaustion and stress are slowly becoming the norm. But you are not a frog. You don't have to choose between burning out or getting out. In this podcast, I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts who have an interesting take on this and inviting you to make a deliberate choice about how you will live and work. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours? then it's time to get your life back. And that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60 minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work 
without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. I think we're very bad at planning stuff. And I think healthcare professionals, people in high stress jobs would really benefit from planning, whether they've been through burnout or not. And one of the the tools I encourage people to use all the time is the Thrive Week Planner, which is very simply a a plan of your week where you say, okay, what am I doing in a, in a usual working week? And so you, you brainstorm, you put everything you're doing, including life outside of work, including life inside work, all the paperwork you've got to do, all the extra stuff that comes at you. And in fact, that was, I developed this tool because I was coaching a chap who said to me, the GP, so I just want to get a, a half day a week. I just want a half a day off a week. I never seem to get my half day. And I said, okay, well, let's plan out your, your week. And by this time, we'd put in all the sessions that he was working as a partner, the day that he did with the CCG, the extra committees he ran, all that sort of thing. He looked at it and I said, so what do you notice? And he said, oh, I appear to be working regularly 13 sessions a week. And it, yeah. it was true when you actually mapped it out. I think most of us do, do so much more than we think we do. And when you add in responsibilities like childcare, like caring with friendly parents, like meeting up with your friends for a coffee which I think is crucial and should be put in the diary every week you find that your time is is very much accounted for and and so sort of doing that you know what is my life look like now what does my job look like or maybe if you are off sick with stress and burnout if I went back into exactly the same role what would that look like and then actually doing your ideal week so get another sheet of paper and go right what would I like like this week to look like if I heard a a quote the other day, I was on a podcast I was listening to about the Enneagram, actually. And this guy said, most of us find a job and then fit our lives around it. Yeah. Actually, it should be the other way around. We should design our life and then fit our careers around it. And I went, yes, that's absolutely true. We should design the life you want and fit your job and your career around that. And it doesn't mean not having a good career, not at all. But what it does mean is about being intentional about about what you do. And doing this at any point is good. But I would say it's, it's really good to do this before you burn out. Yeah. <laughs> but if you are feeling stressed and burnt out, then, then, then do it now. Do it now before it's too late. Because we just take on so much and it's, it's subconscious. It's like the frog in boiling water, isn't it? The, the whole point Literally. of this podcast, you take on more and more. And soon you realise the workload is built up and suddenly every single minute of your week is accounted for and that is a very stressful place to be in yeah. so you're proactive about it unless something changes unless you do something about it it's just going to get worse right yeah I think that is definitely true and I think that is true in the NHS because you know because of the way it's set up it definitely relies on people to speak and say this is what my needs are because otherwise there will just be work that arises and needs to be done and in some ways you could argue that coming back to work is a great opportunity because you could say, okay, I've been away. This is a natural place to have a little bit of a think about what would fit going back to, to work. Now I'm going back to work. I've got the, may have other commitments. It might be children. It might be a chronic health condition that you've had and you're come back to work with your chronic health condition. You might have other commitments for academic or military purposes or whatever your reason. And then that's actually a bit of a good opener. If you want to start designing your work, your work, you can think about what we've said. And then there's that thing where you talk to your manager and then see what's actually possible. But have those conversations. It might not all be possible, but 
there's often things that can be done at least part that might partly address what you need and you, you don't know if you don't ask planning ahead is really helpful i think it's very difficult for any team to adjust things like the day you arrive so plan ahead be realistic like we we're just saying about how long things take and if you do have people who you're caring for children is an obvious example like get those contingencies in place you know get the childcare and then maybe get the contingency because the allowing for that is important i think because when you plan your work i think it it's it's plan your ideal week and then plan for your non-ideal week you know what happens if something fails if i'm poorly if the kids are poorly if something happens at work and a colleague's poorly what happens if the it crashes you know what are how am i going to manage how is the work and workplace going to carry on and the more you can do with that contingency planning the better i think because and again keep it simple it's not to be very complicated it might just be i've got a friend who can pick the kids up at in extremis or it might be that I get someone's phone number if I'm having a Zoom meeting with them and then if the Zoom crashes I can pick them up the telephone. It doesn't have to be complex just like you're saying about simplicity, but I do think thinking those things through being practical, planning and then speaking. Sometimes I actually invite people who feel a bit unsettled about this, especially coming back to work, I invite them to write a script. Would you like to write it down and practice in front of a mirror? You can even if you're on a, a phone call or not a Zoom call, you can even have the the notes in front of you. Or you can even have them in front of you in real life. You could just say, I've brought some notes and then have them in front of you while you're talking to your team about uh, about these things so that you've got a prompt and it helps you kind of stay focused on what you had been planning. I think planning is, is so important and we'll, we'll put the Thrive Week Planner tool there that people can download in, in the show notes. I think yeah. one of the things that stops people from asking for what they really want and what they really need is the story in the head that well, everyone else has to work like that. So why should I be an exception? Why should I have special circumstances? Why should I get to change things when look at my colleagues? You know, how would you answer people that were saying that, Katja? I guess I would invite them to reflect on the word should. and How kind is that to say to yourself or, or to others? It's not, a, it's not a super kind word, actually, for yourself or for others. And I think if we were to try where possible, think about what we could do rather than should. If people often say that it can be a bit of a throwaway comment, but I actually think it can be really helpful. And it's more proactive as well as being kinder to think about coulds as well. That kind of opens up a bit more creative thinking about, okay, well, what are the options here? And maybe it will help others. You know, maybe this will be something that would be helpful for others. But it's not just about the individual sometimes. I think it can be about the group. And I think just because other people are stuck in a certain way of working or doing things doesn't mean that you should be as well. Doesn't mean that it's helpful for you to be. Mm. And I love that thought about changing shoulds for coulds. I also love to get people to use instead of I should, it's I choose to. So I'm Mm. choosing to go back and work this amount because I'm choosing to cut down my hours so that I can not burn out again so that I can maintain this career at this pace and I can look after my family or so that I can serve my patients better because I know well, I will always be fresh for them. So if you swap should for either could or I'm choosing to so that, I think the word so that are so powerful because for some reason, even if you tell them about the Hippocratic Oath being about I need to look after myself, you need that little bit on the end so that I can provide patient care so that it's not feel, feeling selfish, so that it is for other mm. people because self-care 
and me and you talk about this all the time, don't you catch yourself? Mm. It's not selfish. Yeah, definitely. And it gets, yeah, we, sometimes, sometimes I put up a picture of a plane in my workshops and say, this is an oblique reference. Don't want to be too obvious. What's it about? And sometimes when we're talking about this, people will come up with the oxygen mask. Other times we I kind of, I mention it, but I think that's, it, it really is true. The oxygen mask analogy that, you know, you really do need to put your oxygen mask on first so you can help others. Definitely when you're caring for others at work and outside work. And that's a huge the important reason I think you're right so I think it allows people to think about the so that why am I putting on my oxygen oxygen mask so that I can help others and there's a broader point actually I know that your business is called Wild Mondays I always wondered if that was that reference to that poem about you know you only got this one wild and precious life and we're in a job to help others live their wild and precious life and we have our one wild and precious life as well so there's a, a another another reason there to 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 do what kind of hopefully will work for ourselves as well as for people around us, including our patients and our families and everybody trying to to do the as well as rather than the yeah. one or the other. It's not I'm looking after myself or looking after my patients. It's like, can I do both? When I talk about that, when I talk about yeah. compassion, how can I be kind to the patient and to myself, to my colleagues and myself? It doesn't have to be either or. I get it. You're pushed for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole, and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops top five episodes sorry and leap into your happiest thriving self again just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz oh no it's definitely both and isn't it because when you're talking about that the picture of the plane i was going oh where's she going with this you know <laughs> give you all sorts of analogies yeah. my thoughts were before you said oxygen mask were who do you want flying that plane Ah. Who's stressed and burnt out and knackered and tired and on the edge of not coping? Or do you want someone who's rested and well, who knows their own limits? Yes, please. I want that person. Now, that is nothing about whether the pilot is superhuman or not. It's about the pilot recognizing their limits and stopping and looking after themselves. I don't want a pilot that thinks they're superhuman, a bit like Maverick. (laughs) I don't know if you've seen the film. I haven't seen it yet. Oh my God, I can't wait. Please send I know, there's a lot of very, this isn't a spoiler, there's a lot of very unrealistic moments in that film. I did really enjoy it though. But the really unrealistic bit was when I was going, but why are they on a motorbike and they're not wearing a helmet? (laughs) Safety first. You heard it here, listeners, safety first. Oh God, I can't wait to that film. Nothing to do with the Gs they're pulling in the the fighter pilot, (laughs) but they're, they're not wearing helmets on their motorbikes. Anyway. That's a side note. What are we talk about? Yes, pilots, pilots and planes. Oh my goodness! I want, I want a well-rested pilot. Thank you very much. I want a well-rested doctor. You know, who would you prefer to do your operation or make that decision or or, or, or interpret your your results? I, I want someone who's well-rested, who's looking after themselves, that's not pushing themselves to the limits. Thank you very much. And so you are doing it. You're right. You're doing it. Just not just for yourself. It is for your patients, for your colleagues, for your families, and it's so so important to deny those limits just daft yeah you talk about medicine it is actually a safety critical job we don't often 
I don't know about you, but I didn't really think about this when I was a medical student, you know, that medicine is safety critical. Not every minute of it, but there are parts of, of being a doctor that are safety critical. There's parts of being a pilot, there's parts of being a bus driver, you know, and you're driving a lot of people around on a bus. There's lots of jobs actually with a safety critical element. If you're an electrician, you know, you want to make sure you don't cause an electric shock. So actually lots of jobs have an element which is safety critical. And in any of those jobs, it is important that we exactly you said we're well rested so we can perform and and do things to a competent level so there's a practical reason as well to 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 look after ourselves yeah and i think an example would be driving the motor down the motorway they have even got those road tires haven't you that says yeah tiredness kills take a break and that's because driving a car is safety critical and you do need to take a break to sustain your concentration in order to not crash and i think that that analogy holds for lots of other safety critical work especially over the long term, as we're talking about. Yeah, totally. And so I guess this whole return to work thing, it's not just a, a threat, you know, so you do these SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. It's not, there's not oh, just yeah. the threat of will I burn out again or will I get ill again? But actually there's a massive opportunity in this. And yes. how do I reset my yeah. expectations, other people's expectations, my whole working life so that I am going to be the best doctor, mother, partner, whatever, whatever your job, whatever your role in life is. Because yeah. actually other, yeah. people, other people rely on it. Yeah, I really agree with that, actually. And that's one reason why I've written this Love Your Return to Work course, because I really think that's important. And I think exactly not think using it as an opportunity and that requires a bit of space but one thing you often get when you're off work is a little bit of space you might not be feeling well if you're on sick leave you might be busy if you have a baby but you have at least a, you're in a different headspace and actually that can be an opportunity as well you know use the use that opportunity have a little thing you know come on a course if that is the right thing for you talk to occupational health gp whatever you need but do a bit of reflection and planning before so that you can make the most of this opportunity it is a huge natural transition point and that can bring with it great positive change if you take the opportunity it provides sometimes it takes a bit of courage because it can feel a bit unsettling but that's okay too and just whatever you do don't just blindly stumble back into exactly the way you were doing things before whatever your reason for being off whether it was with stress or whether it was just because you had a a big operation or you've been away or you've taken a sabbatical or whatever you know it's interesting a friend of mine went on sabbatical a couple of years ago now and she got back and she had a wonderful time and she's like right everything will change now I'm gonna go back I've got renewed understanding of what it's like to not feel stressed and everything and you know I'd be interested to hear how she thinks but yeah she said to me you know you you flip so quickly back into the way you've always done things you really do so there's something like you touched on about being intentional like taking opportunities to reflect like we you might do before work or hopefully might be having a chance to listen to this podcast. And then there's something about building that into your routine so that you don't do that thing where you slip back in because of you're so busy and everything's taken up. So I wrote a recent newsletter on this about just having a, and it's always time. So can I do a three minute, a five minute morning practice? So I've, I've started to do that where I just literally take three deep breaths. I do one or two yoga poses or stretches and I just try and set my intentions for the day. I don't always manage it. I actually was thinking, so I haven't done that for two weeks. I've been poorly, all the usual reasons. But, you know, having even just the in, trying to be a little bit more intentional, just so you're creating these little spaces throughout your working life to keep checking in. How am I doing with those intentions I had as I came back to work? It's six months later. How am I doing? Am I on track, off track? And coaching is a great way to do that as well, if that's the kind of thing that works for you or keeping a journal. There's lots of ways to do it. 
But I do think somehow keeping intentional is helpful. Mm. I think as well, I love what you said about just little things that you can do, because I think one of the temptations when we have had a major life event, be it a bereavement or be it a serious health issue or an episode of burnout or maybe a relationship breakdown or something is to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, everything's going to be different. Everything's going to change. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. And I guess that's exactly again, what this podcast is about. There are lots of little things. You don't need to change absolutely everything. And actually most of us can't. And back to the point you you made earlier, Katya, about what's my business called? Why is it called? Well, Monday, actually I called, and I'm sure I've I've told this story a, a lot. I was thinking about doing a bit of a career change, what I wanted to do. And I'd gone on retreat in the Alps. It was this most beautiful place. And, and there were quite a few people that actually moved to the Alps, moved their businesses out there, moved their families out there, lived there. And they just have the, the most amazing time you know, wow. skiing in the afternoons and just exploring all the way around. And of course, beautiful, beautiful scenery. I was like, wow, wouldn't this be great? Uh-huh. And then I read that, that, line, that line from the Mary Oliver poem, you know, tell oh. me. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And I thought, wow, amazing. That's very inspiring line. But what does it look like to have a wild and precious life on a Monday morning when I'm stuck in my (laughs) current role with my kids all at the schools? You know, we can't move house because we we choose not to move house because the children are in school and the husband has a business and all that sort of thing. So I'm I'm here. I'm choosing to be here now. So how do I have a wild and precious life? even on a Monday morning. So that's where Wild Monday came from. And often mm. it is about those those little things, like those three minutes of the yoga pose and setting your intention for the day and deciding to take that lunch break and get out into nature for a walk around the block and maybe saying no to that thing in the evening because you just know you need to veg out in front of the telly and go to bed early, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know, but there are lots of little there are lots of little things that will that will make a difference. And of course, of course, there are some big changes that people do need to make. But for me, it's more about the the mindset of getting out of that. I should, I ought to. What do other people think of me right now? What if I upset so and so? Actually, as we heard in, in a podcast a few a few weeks ago about the regrets of the dying, amazing woman G- Georgina Skull talked to lots of people in the last year mm. of their life. Most of what you regret is stuff you didn't do because you were worried about what people thought. And the people they were worried about what they thought were people they, you know, 20 years down the line, couldn't even remember their names. It's like, yeah. what if I, I can't ask for this thing to be different at my work? Because what will that partner think? Well, in 20 years time, you are not going to look back and go, oh no, that person thought badly of me. You really, really, really not. But you might look back and go, I really wish I had made some changes because actually my children really needed me at that time and I just wasn't present for them. Sorry, got a bit heavy there. It's all part of life's rich tapestry, isn't it? It's all its all part of the human condition. We've got a little bit of peace there, but I think it's all relevant, isn't it? It's all, it's all important and I think it's important for all of us, even if you're not someone that is coming back to work. Maybe it's someone who's just wanting to reassess how you how you do work and maybe think to yourself here's a good mind experiment just just come up with this catch see what you think you know imagine if I had six months off to do whatever what would I do differently when I when I got back yeah I was just thinking that yeah so you can still exactly you could still have that process you could just take a week off for some holiday and 
and just think, okay, well, I'm coming back after a week. I've had a little bit of headspace, but what would work for me in my in my workplace for the next year? And then you might not be able to well, change it the day back, but you might over the course of the next few months have meetings, conversations, and do what you can where possible to tweak things. So one thing I know, for example, that has changed is that now you used to, as a GP trainee, only be able to work less than full-time if you had a reason, a caring responsibility. But now for some, not all, but for some GP trainees, that's changed now. So that's one example of how you might be able to just say, oh, I'd like to work less than full-time, please, because without feeling there had to be a big reason. Again, not for everybody, but just, you know, keep an eye out, I guess, for the opportunities to make changes and have those conversations with people around you, with your sort of teams and your seniors. And kind of keep open, I think, to opportunities and ideas. I think there's something about just being open, creative problem solving, thinking a little bit outside the box can be really helpful when you're designing your career because it's part of your life, right? And I think in medicine in particular, there's a tendency even now to think about it's a standard route, standard rails. You get on the rails at medical school and then you get off, you, know, you go through junior senior, junior doctor training and then you go into specialty. And there's a very much kind of this sense that you go along these rails. And that's great for some people. But if that doesn't work, then these are opportunities, either a return to work or, as we just said, we could just do it on return from holiday. Just to think, is this is this is this working? Is these train tracks taking me where I want to go? And if not, what are the opportunities here? Interesting, Katya, because I'm not sure those train tracks do work for anybody. <laughs> I, I, I I know very few doctors that are like, yeah, I, I'm really comfortable with the fact my career's just gone like that, and I'm working like this. You know, I think and everybody will benefit from just reevaluating what you want, even if it's just to go. How's my working week looking? Do I want this? Do I not want this? What's my ideal life look like? And if your job totally matches your ideal life, so you, you, you plan out what your ideal week would look like and compare your current week, if it completely matches up, then fantastic. Yes. It's brilliant. And, and if that's you, by the way, if you've got any listeners whose <laughs> ideal doesn't. week actually matches their <laughs> actual week, then Please get in touch because you can come on and me and Katja are going to grill you about yeah. how you managed to do that, right? <laughs> I was about to say, send us an email. Tell us how it feels and how Just you did it. Literally, bottle that, bottle that. Whatever you've done, bottle it. Write a book and you'll be New York Times yeah. bestseller, I tell you, right? <laughs> because most people are like, oh, no, it's just gone off the rails a bit, you know. Because if you don't design your life, someone else will and you'll just end up going and doing exactly what other people want and bending to the women. And other people will always want you to work more than you can work. They just will. Mm. So take that, mm. take that in hand and, and do it yourself. So and I try and do this exercise, actually, this planning exercise, the ideal week, the thrive week. What does a thriving week look like? What's my actual week look like? I do it quite often, maybe once every six months, just to check because things, things slip. And also think, also things change because, yes. you know, we've talked about people coming up with maternity leave. It's very, very different having tiny children at home to having teenagers at home, for yeah. example. You can cope yeah. with very many different things at work. You know, with tiny children, you're just knackered the whole time. You're not getting any sleep, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Teenagers is a completely different cut of fish. You get a lot more freedom, but they're not in some weird way. So, you know, life changes. You, you've got to go with that and you've got to look mm. at what you need in the different stages of life from work as well. Yeah, it's dynamic, right? The human condition, we're all, our lives are changing, things are evolving. And it's just keeping an eye on that, exactly that. Things that worked for you at one point might not work for you later. But it's also about the people around you, and not just kids, your partner, your colleagues, you know, lots of everybody's going through similar changes. So it's like you're going through this change 
iteration and then everybody else around you is going through similar ones at different stages so it's sort of the context in which you fit and work and live is shifting as well and that's why I think this we were just saying these touch points of having a check-in is really helpful because otherwise how can you keep track of what what's going on and what what used to fit and what uh, what doesn't fit now an obvious example is you know zoom about five years ago none of us have ever heard of it and now we're all totally up to speed on it because of changes and it, it brings strengths and weaknesses it's an opportunity in some ways and it's a challenge in others so just checking in is really helpful but it takes discipline when you said people are at different stages of their journey and I think this is the danger of comparison it's a danger of saying well they're coping with this I should be able to do this or Mm -hmm. look at that person in that leadership role doing that wonderful thing there and I can barely get out I can barely get out the door without snot down my shoulder you know because (laughs) I I remember you know when I first started as a salary GP and I had three children all quite close together and you'd be comparing yourself to someone who had teenage children and a full-time wife at home yeah why can't I achieve as much as they do why do you think you don't have a wife at home they do yeah (laughs) also their children at different ages or you're comparing yourself with a senior partner whose kids were left home and they can go off on lovely holidays where they just literally lie on a deck chair and don't have to do any childcare you know it's so so different so just comparing yourself to anybody is it's just daft it is tricky (laughs) yeah and I also I really agree with that and I think I know people from from work and, and elsewhere who've like really struggled to have families, and it's not so much their challenge with time constraints, but they have other like real sort of, uh, you know, real sort of aches that they carry around in their heart, really real losses and, and and griefs, and those things can be really difficult. So again, comparing yourself to somebody who ha- hasn't had a bereavement recently, or hasn't just tried, uh, had a fertility struggle, or there's lots of different things that I think. We don't always know that about that's that whole thing, isn't it? Don't compare your insides to other people's outsides. We don't always know that about the other person. I love that. Don't compare your insides to other people's outsides. And I think, I guess this brings me back to the point I made a lot earlier in our conversation, Katia, about how much you tell people, how much you're open about stuff. And one of the great joys of doing this podcast is the emails I get from people saying how Mm. much it's helped people get through burnout and stuff like that. And Mm. almost always they say to me, the podcast makes them feel that they're not alone yeah. because there's people sharing their stories of how this happened to them. And I would just encourage people to share, to tell people what you've been going through because you might not know it at the time, but that very quiet person that never seems to be ruffled by anything might be going through an awful time, but they're not saying anything. And just hearing you say, you know what, I've been off with stress. I found things really difficult or I've had I've had this happen to me, or I've had that happen to me, just normalises it. It makes them feel, oh, crumbs, well, if, if that happened to her, then maybe it's okay that it's happening to me. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not alone. And I think feeling that you're not alone almost can, can be, well, it's part of the cure, isn't it? No, yeah. Isn't you're yeah. not normal. You're not alone. It's okay. We've talked for a very long time. <laughs> I think my mentor would be, don't compare yourself to other people. You're running your own race. you've got your own journey in life other people don't have the same challenges as you you don't have the same challenges to them you've got to be true to what you want to what you need so that you can serve your patients your family your colleagues and your friends as best you can i love it so that great so that that. i'm choosing to do this so that so that's really important brilliant Mm. Katia, thank you so much. That's been 
helpful, helpful conversation. If people want to get in touch with you, find out more about your work. So the best way is to go to workingwelldoctor.com where you can get links to everything. So you can just go to the website or drop me an email. So it's workingwelldoctor.com and the working well experience at gmail.com. Great. Thank you so much. We'll have you back soon to explore all this more, I think. There's plenty more to talk about. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Ben. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.